Grab your Bibles and let's get right into the Word. I have so many things I want to get into. I think about uh, 15 hours worth of stuff that we'll do tonight and tomorrow morning. You know, the last, I, I was looking at you know, different things I've preached on when I come here, and the last probably four times I've come, there's always been a thread of the power of God uh, about the name of Jesus, authority, boldness, different things that we've been hearing for probably 30 or uh, 35, maybe 40 years, kind of a platform for, for how God will use you. You know what I mean? We, God's so cool, He's kind of secretly snuck some things in over the 30 or 40 years to show us who we are in Christ so that we can not only be blessed, that we can walk like Jesus walked. Isn't that right? So the last, I think, four or five times I've come, I've gotten into things about power because this whole season is about how to get the power through you, not just to you. Amen. Am I in the right room? Uh, it's about how to be a blessing. Let me give you a little key for the end times. You ready for it? It's called unselfishness. You might have write that down. Praise the Lord. That, that goes over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Glad you came tonight. <laughs> No, so I want to get into some things in the next few services of how we can function with God, how we can cooperate with God, and how God wants to use you. He wants to use you right where you are. He set your life up. He hasn't brought you to this church just to go, man, I'm glad to come and worship and be a part of this. He wants to use you. There is a destiny for your life. Hallelujah. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Hallelujah. So, so we'll, we'll get into all that. And, uh, and, and why don't we pray right before we get into the Word. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for what Life Church has, uh, what you have for Life Church before Jesus comes. We're grateful for this facility that we have here, thankful for this land, this building, and thankful for it being paid off. And Father, we're thankful for what is to come. We, we embrace uh, uh, increase. We embrace the future, Lord, what you have for Life Church. I ask you to bless every person that came tonight. I thank you for filling them, strengthening them. We thank you for your will for all their lives, that every single person in this room will finish their course with joy. Every person. And Lord, as we see the season, uh, as you're approaching coming to the earth, we thank you for, for utterance for every person in this room, for an articulation of the will of God for their lives. Blessings upon their households. Blessings for the perfect will of God for their lives. That everything they set their hand to would prosper. That 09 would be the best year that they've ever had. Father, move things out of the way. Open doors for them. Have their lives ready for what you have for them even this year. May this be a marked year of the operations of God in their lives. So Father, we thank you for it. We thank you that we're saved tonight. The blood of Jesus were redeemed from the curse of the law. I thank you for your blessings. And Lord, as we approach your word, we know this, this grand thing will happen. Jesus will be magnified. He'll be exalted. He'll be lifted up in every verse. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. amen. Grab your Bibles, if you would, there, and turn to uh, John, and we'll start there. You know, as I said, the last few times I've come, we've gotten into things about authority, about, about really about boldness, and about the name of Jesus, literally things that we've been using as a platform probably... I would probably say 30 or 40 years, uh, 20 years, maybe you got in this 10 years ago. But if you'll notice the thread of, of faith, the thread of who we are in Christ, the thread of authority, the thread of boldness, so that we, we don't draw back, so that everything we've heard and all the messages we've heard are to take us somewhere, not just more knowledge, not just to puff us up, but to cause us to walk just like Jesus walked. Remember the verse, uh, I was going to play the guitar this morning, but I didn't want to freak out whoever's guitar that was. I believe it's in uh, the, the epistle of John. It says that if you say that he abides in, in you, you will walk even as he walked. So if I'm not walking like Jesus walked, I need to check up on what I have abiding in me. Maybe it's religion. Maybe it's tradition. If I say that he's in me, it will alter my walk. 
Even Aerosmith figured it out. It's called Walk This Way. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, uh, thank God uh, Aerosmith's lead singer got saved. Stephen Tyler got born again. And uh, uh, you know Jesus is coming soon when the lead singer for Aerosmith gets born again. <laughs> That's one of the signs of the second coming. Praise the Lord. But we're, we're just blessed to be living when God has orchestrated all of our lives to get us in a wild Holy Ghost Word church that's normal. Don't you love the normal feeling of this church? I come here and I feel like I'm at home because as much as we want the Lord to do whatever He wants to do, there's a, a, such a, a feeling of normalness here. Obviously, I'm grading on a scale, praise the Lord. But anyway, there's a, a, a feeling of normalness that, that we're all hungry for Him. And, and let's look back and see how God's done all these things in our lives to show us who we are in Christ. This, this night, uh, we're complete in Him. We're the fullness of Him. We've been quickened. We've been raised. We've been seated. So we don't have to go back and go through all that. So let's, let's pick up all those messages. Let's pick up all those graces and see how they can propel us into functioning in literally what God's called us to function in. He's called every one of us to function in some glory right here before Jesus comes. He wants a voice and a witness of what his personality is like. What is his personality like? It's life everlasting. There's no death in him. There's only life in him. You can get around the edge of the word and you can get so blessed that you're victorious in every area of your life, much less embracing it and devouring it. It'll change you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He is great. He is mighty. And he has not changed. So all the things we've heard, this is the season you get to function in it. Rather than hearing about it in a story or hearing about it in days gone by, this day, in 09, it's time for us to function in these things. So let's grab our Bibles there. And uh, if you forgot your Bible tonight, look on your neighbors. And, and if it makes you nervous to bring your Bible out in public, put it in a sack. You'll get over it. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's good to have your Bible. Amen. So go to John. I still haven't found John yet. So turn to John chapter 7. And we'll start here. I haven't found my verse yet. I sure appreciate you coming tonight. Go to John 7. We'll start here. John chapter 7. You know the verse, verse 37. John chapter 7, verse 37. In that last day, the great day of the feast. John chapter 7, verse 37. In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Hallelujah. And he that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He said, you come unto him and drink. He said, you believe on me. And if you believe on me, something's going to come out of you. I like that. Now, if I'm, if I'm believing on a, a move, if I'm believing on a ministry, it probably won't happen. He said, you believe on me, there'll be something on the inside of you so great that it'll pour out of you. You remember the old song? We used to sing this when I was a kid. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk. The blind to see opens prison doors, sets captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. So all the messages we've heard are to produce a platform in your life so that we can see that we walk just like Jesus walked. Now here Jesus said, hey, there's going to come a time you believe on me and you drink of me and out of your belly, not Benny Hinn's, your belly. I love Benny Hinn, but he's not in Boise, you are. I love Kenneth Hagin, but he's in heaven right now. Hallelujah. I love Smith Wigglesworth, but he's in heaven right now. Looking over the banister, probably screaming at us, saying, run and do all these things we've heard. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, you believe on me, something's going to transpire in your life. Out of your belly, you'll have a life-giving substance so powerful come out of you that it'll make people blessed, quickened. Hallelujah. Life-giving anointing, life-giving glory to where all the things you've heard all of a sudden start operating in your life. 
And that's what we want. So, so grab your Bibles there and let's turn over to some other verses. Let's look at some rivers tonight. Go over to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you'll notice in the days gone by preaching on the power here, I'm going to come at it from a different side tonight and show us why we focused on the power of God to get us ready even for more manifestations of the glory of God. Because that's what we want. We want the book of Acts finished. I said it to the guys this morning. You're, you're writing your own chapter of the book of Acts. I got one. That's right. I'll go back to you, buddy. So anyway, <laughs> uh, what happens is can we follow you around and write down what the Lord's doing in your life? You're writing your own chapter whether you like it or not. Well, that went over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Start the car. I'll be right there. No, come on now. You're, you're writing your own chapter whether you like it or not. And if we want to be real scripture, which I'm a word guy, real scriptural is they started in power, we should finish in power. They started in glory, it should finish in glory. So all the things we've heard are to set us up to function in this. So grab your Bibles there and go to 1 Corinthians 12. And let's pick up with some of these rivers. Let's start with 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, he said, I would not have you to be ignorant or misinformed. Now that word, that word gifts is in italics, so let's read that really how it should be. Now concerning spiritual. Now that word spiritual, I'm not a, a Greek whiz, but I looked it up in the W. Vines, and it means some of the appointed activities of the Holy Ghost in the church. He said, now concerning these activities are rivers I would not have you misinformed. Because there's something about being misinformed about how God moves, we draw back. It's amazing how we think, well, oh, God can move that way and that guy, so I'm not going to be able to do that because that's too weird. Or God can move that way and that person, and that's just too weird, I'm not going to do that. So Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said about how God moves are the activities of the Holy Ghost. Don't be misinformed. Why? Don't be ignorant. Now there's a two things the Bible says not to be ignorant about. Number one, the coming of the Lord. Number two, gifts of the Spirit. Now why is that? Right before the coming of the Lord, the church has an outflow mentality. It's not about gimme, gimme, gimme. It's about how I can get so much so I can flow to others. Amen. It's about being Jesus in the earth. Whether you like it or not, you're Him. Yep. Amen. Well, I'll preach over here. Come on now, I'll go over some pews. <laughs> whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not, or whether you're comfortable with it or not, you're the only Jesus most people ever see. You know, it's not like all of a sudden we're going to have some great revival come in and wake Boise up. No, you create your own revival. Amen. People say, well, I'm waiting for God to come in and move. I like the old thing that's, uh, that John Wesley said, let God set you on fire. People will come watch you burn. Yes. I even have it right here. Watch. I got a fire pack. In the fire pack, I put packs of matches in there so you can set yourself on fire. <laughs> so if the Word doesn't get you, do the best you can. Come on. Now here Paul said about these activities or these rivers, don't be misinformed. It's just like when you're going to ride the rapids. I remember when I was a kid, we were up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and our parents said, hey, we're going to drop you guys off, and you're going to ride the rapids, and, and we're going to go cruising. So, you know, next thing I know, uh, I'm getting up to go ride the rapids. I was about eight or nine years old, loved to ride the rapids, so cool. So I'm listening to my guide, and I'm listening to him talk, and he goes, yeah, we had a guy die last week. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like nine years old going, wait a minute, do you often have people die? Were you the guide where the guy died? That's the first thing I want to find out. Am I, am I going down the river with somebody who's been down the river before? Now see, when it comes to these activities of the Holy Ghost, God wants us to get comfortable with the water so that we cooperate with Him and flow with Him. So there, if we see how God moves, we can say, man, I can do that. I can hook up with that. I can cooperate with God. I can be a vessel. 
And here, this whole chapter is about getting acquainted with God so that everywhere you go, you're ready for Him to move through you. Out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. So Paul said to this church, don't be misinformed. Don't be misinformed about how God's going to flow through you. Because the more you know about it, the more open you'll be to go, hey, God's ready to move right here through me. Because He wants to use you, not just bless you. He's already blessed you. He's done so much for us. Hasn't He been great to us? Come on, other generations have dreamed of having what we have, and we have it right now. Come on. So we are a very, very blessed generation. So God's pretty smart. He hasn't invested this in us to just go, hey, I'm glad you know the word. Here's a cookie. No, he's invested in us so that we can do something with it. So here Paul says, don't be misinformed. So let's go a little further. Look at the next verse there. He says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. So they were led by idols that could not speak. Today you are the temple of the living God to where God can so rise up on the inside of you, you can be a mouthpiece for God. They were carried away and led by idols that couldn't even speak. Well, everywhere you go, you can lift up your voice. doesn't have to be Hollywood. doesn't have to be weird. You can say, He's the King of glory and He's coming again. We've also wanted to be so Hollywood and God's going to use you just as you are. So let's go a little further. Skip down to verse 4. So glad you came tonight. Amen. All right, let's go to verse 4. Look what he says in verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but it's the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which works all in all. I like verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every prophet to profit with all. No. He said the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to bring profit with all. So we see this whole chapter is about he's writing to the church at Corinth. And he said the manifestation, that word manifestation, the Greek word, is phanerosis. It means a shining forth. Right now in all of us, we have the glory of the Lord on the inside of us. And he's looking to shine forth. He's looking to radiate. He said the, the radiation of God is given to every man to profit with all. In other words, that's why he has filled us so that everywhere we go, hallelujah, he can flow through us. He says, given to profit with all. So he goes down to verse 8 and talks about some rivers or manifestations, or you can call them gifts, you can call them whatever you want. But, but watch what he says in verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Verse number 9. To another faith or special faith by the same Spirit. Another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another divers kinds of tongues. To another interpretation of tongues. I like verse 11. But all these worketh that one and self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. So we see Paul writing to the church of Corinth. He says there's some rivers here. There's some manifestations. You can't manipulate God, but you can put yourself in a position to cooperate with Him. These rivers operate as they will, but if you'll notice, they're always moving. It's always about moving water. There's nothing stagnant about God. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, I'd rather be in a meeting with someone that's not filled with the Holy Ghost but is hungry for God than someone that's filled with the Holy Ghost is not hungry anymore. And if you'll notice this verse here, the manifestation or the shining forth of the Lord here, it works. The one and self, same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. We put ourselves in a position to flow with God. Now, the last few years, the last probably 10 years, I think probably 1989, 1987, I started traveling, preaching everywhere, uh, gifts of the Spirit, the glory of God, and to preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach, and I'd come back to the church, preach and preach and preach, and nobody's operating in it. I'm thinking, wow, you, you talk about this and preach on this and nobody operates in it. Because I realize that what we've been hearing for 30 years is the platform for it to operate. Bold faith, righteousness. 
The stuff that we think might be a little boring tonight. You know what I'm saying? The stuff that we think aren't cool enough to go, Woo! you know, we go, hey, I'm going to preach on the name of Jesus. And we're like, okay, another message on the name. Well, those things that we've heard, God has quietly put them in you to give you such a strong foundation so that out of your spirit, spirit could flow rivers of living water. So there'd be a platform for God to work with that you think like Him. Act like Him. Minister like Him. Your mercy is His mercy. His mercy is your mercy. His ways are your ways. His voice is your voice. Your voice is His voice. Your hands are His hands. So all of a sudden, you're functioning as the body of Christ. Well, God had to do that to get us to that place so that we weren't walking in going, I'm trying to get somewhere. You could walk in with authority. You could walk in with boldness. And with that platform, all of a sudden, it gives God an avenue to all of a sudden start manifesting all these rivers and all these manifestations of the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's go to the next verse. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, he says, I like this. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, I like this. What's so cool in the past, religion taught us, well, if you're not a special part of the body, you can't expect to be used in all these rivers. Well, it's the complete opposite in the Bible. And this whole chapter is about it. It doesn't matter what parts you are. You better hook them up and be used. Because all the next few verses are whether you're the elbow or whether you're the collarbone. You have to be more really paying attention than maybe a prophet or an apostle. You should be expected to be used more than those guys. Okay, I'll come back here. Come on. In other words, the prophet and the apostle is going to obviously have some things that come with their office. This whole chapter is written to the body of Christ so that we'd be paying more attention than an apostle. It's pretty wild. There's so much required of us that it's almost amazing that all of a sudden God, the God of the universe, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, wants to manifest that power through every believer. That where the believer goes, the resurrection could be made known. That people wouldn't go, wow, you're a great preacher. They'd go, wow, Jesus had to come out of the grave. So he's magnified. He's exalted. He's glorified. Not how long you've studied. Not how long you've been in this or how long you've been in that. It's all about him. He gets magnified. He gets glorified. He gets exalted. Because in this season, we get to see it all. Oh, come on now. Not some. We get to see it all. You think God's come to the very end and go, well, just have casual church? No! If we're going to have the persecution, we might as well have the miracles to back it up. Let's read a little further. Skip over to verse 27 or 28. You pick out whichever verse you want. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 27 here. Look what he says. Now you're the body of Christ and members in particular. I like this. And God has set some of the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that, miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. I like verse 29. Are all prophets? Are all apostles? Of course not. That doesn't mean that you're off the hook concerning all these rivers of the Holy Ghost to flow through you. He's, Paul's trying to say here, it doesn't matter. Not everybody's a prophet, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be ready to function in all these rivers. So God's going to literally bring some things to our awareness in the days before He returns. We're living alarmingly close to the coming of the Lord. Now there's a heightened awareness of the presence of Jesus even this year. You watch, it'll even be this year that you go, I know He never leaves me nor forsakes me, but it's almost like He's around me all the time. He wants us to cooperate with Him so that we can be supernatural. Now, now if you want to get technical, all these things we're talking about in 1 Corinthians are harvesting tools. They're not to have a great service. 
They're so that we can get more people born again. And if you want to look through the book of Acts, there's always a thread of, listen, divine assistance. God helping the church. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost is poured out. Acts chapter 3, special faith. 5,000 people get saved. Acts chapter 4, they were smart enough to ask for it again. And he began to pour out. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Acts chapter 5, you had the working of miracles. And there were signs and wonders wrought by their hands to the point that they, the very shadow of Peter went by them. Acts chapter 6, Stephen began to do signs and wonders. Same thing with Philip. Acts chapter 7, Stephen's uh, stone. That doesn't go over real good. Uh, they even gnashed at him with their teeth. Amen. How'd you like to preach a message where people wanted to bite you? Hallelujah. <laughs> How weird is that? Acts chapter 8, Philip goes down to Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. So all of a sudden the Holy Ghost begins to flow through. There's always a thread of God assisting the church. It wasn't about the church trying to do some great thing to get people to like them. It was about God flowing through the early church and people saw that Jesus was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. So let's look back here for a minute at the book of Acts and watch how God's going to do things exactly like He did here. But let's run down a little bit more here through 1 Corinthians before we go to Acts. Look there, He said in verse 29, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Of course not. That doesn't mean we're off the hook. The last verse there, He says, Covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Now, you know, we, we talked about this before, but talking on power and stuff, I want to get us to a thought pattern of, of craving it. He says, covet earnestly the best gifts. The only way I can look at that is craving it. How many of you crave uh, coffee in the morning? I mean, I, how many of you crave Diet Coke? I'm like a Diet Coke addict. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> To the point that it's almost supernatural. Like if we'll go to a restaurant and I think the waitress might be slow, I'll order two. Uh, you know, just, just in case uh, I don't want to be lacking in my Diet Coke. Now, why is that? Because I've gotten supernaturally attached to Diet Coke. Well, it's, it's, you can call it a habit. You can call it an addiction, which I don't mind. <laughs> it is what it is. Hallelujah. Deal with it, right? So, so I love Diet Coke so much. I remember I was preaching in, in Russia and... Um, and I remember being there and going to this kind of, this was like maybe 1990, and got to the kiosk right after the wall came down, so I thought, man, if I can find Diet Coke, I'll be all right. And I got the Diet Coke, and it was in this little building where I was staying. They called it a house, but actually it was a little building, and the way they heated it was a, this guy would, you know, put the wood on the fire and warm the place up, and I didn't know that was the only heat, so the next morning I'm like, man, it's cold. Well, the fire's out. But, but we electricity went out that night that I put my Diet Cokes in this little refrigerator. So I thought, well, I want my Diet Cokes to be cold. So I took them out on the patio, and I put my Diet Cokes out on the patio so they'd stay cold. I walked out the next morning, and they had frozen and exploded. I, I wept openly. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what am I going to do? You know, because I'm freaking out because I'm attached, man, because I, I, I don't know how I'm going to function. Now, why is that? Because I've gotten used to it. I've yielded to it. To the point that I've yielded to it and like it, love it, I want more of it. I remember one time flying to Europe, I got off the plane in, in uh, France and I went up to the deal and I, and I don't, you know, I can't speak French, so I, I get a Diet Coke and it was I, the exchange or whatever and I realized after I walked away and I'm drinking my Diet Coke, I, I paid $8 for this Diet Coke. I was thinking, what in the world? She could have said $50, it didn't matter. She could have said, here's my watch, give me a Diet Coke right now. I mean, you, you know, it's like the shakes, you got to have it. That's because I've gotten used to it, I've yielded to it, gotten accustomed to it, and I'm irritable if I don't have it. Now he's saying here, you can get so accustomed to the Holy Ghost that you're irritable if He's not flowing through you. That's craving earnestly the best gifts. That's what we want. We want, we want to be so accustomed to God flowing through us 
that we're not satisfied unless he is. Smith and Wigglesworth would go out on the edge of town and he'd stand out there and say, now I'm not going to go to bed until I get somebody saved. He got so used to God leading him to get someone born again that he thought, I'm not going to bed tonight until I get somebody born again. Well, he stands out there and waits for a little bit and the Holy Ghost says that person over there walks over to that person and gets them saved because he got acquainted with that and liked that. We have gotten acquainted with TV, gotten acquainted with Starbucks, gotten acquainted with our lifestyle. We need to get acquainted with the manifester of the resurrection called the Holy Ghost. And the more we get acquainted with Him, the more we get accustomed to Him, we ain't satisfied unless we have Him in operation. Come on now, there there is a, a platform. There is a way that God wants to use the church that God has not done this for naught. He has done this because He will use you. You know, I was preaching in this church up in Boston, Massachusetts. How many, how many of you like Boston, you know? Jonathan Del Turco is the pastor's name. I was preaching in the Bible school. They have school on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. I was preaching to some other churches, you know, during the other days. And as I came in to preach in the Bible school on Tuesday and Thursday, everybody's tired during the day. They've worked all day, so they come Tuesday and Thursday night. So I'm jumping through hoops. I'm doing sock puppets. I'm juggling. You know, if I had fire or whatever, I do all that just just to keep everybody with you, you know what I mean? Because they're tired. They worked all day. So I get there to teach the class on the gifts of the Spirit one night. And as I walked in to do my class, I'm getting ready to preach, and I started preaching. The Holy Ghost said, now here comes a word of knowledge. Revelation gifts, facts in the mind of God concerning people, places, or things. The word of knowledge, that kind of revelation will always be present tense or past tense. Well, here comes revelation, supernatural revelation. Because I don't know this. I'm trying to preach my little message, trying to do sock puppets, trying to keep everybody with me. All of a sudden, the Lord said, there's, there's a woman there that was raped as a child, and it's hindering her marriage right now. And once again, I said, Lord, don't tell me that. I was talking about here in the men's thing this morning. I said, don't tell me that. I'm here to do my class. I'm not there to, to deal with that kind of stuff. I'm trying to do my class. So I said, let the pastor deal with that. I'm thinking all this while I'm preaching. Let the pastor deal with that after I'm gone. He said, well, you need to deal with that. So, okay, I'm preaching along. Finished my first class, and I'm going to get ready to call that out. And, man, when the, when the bell rang, everybody bolted. Didn't even have an opportunity to call it out. So I was thinking, man, I really want to try to do that. So I told the Lord, I was trying, but we didn't have an opportunity. Came back in for a second hour. I'm preaching, dun, 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 trying to keep everybody with me. Preaching as fast as I can. Meanwhile, as I'm preaching, a lady on the staff of the church, I've been to that church many times. She's right over here on the side. She waves her hand like this. I mean, you can't miss that, like the bridge is out, you know. So, so she waves her hand like this. It was, hey. I said, yeah, what is it? She goes, are you ever going to allow the Holy Spirit to use you in the gifts of the Spirit in these classes? I said, well, you know, I said, in fact, I had something last hour, but I didn't have an opportunity to call it out. I said, There's, uh, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I said, in fact, I don't want you to raise your hand. There's a lady here that this happened to you when you were a child. And all kinds of people have all kinds of hell. I said, but this specifically is hindering your marriage right now. I said, the Lord wants to bless you, wants to take care of you. And I began to prophesy about that person's life, that lady's life, just being blessed, restored. God loves us so much, he will go out of his way. He'll use donkeys, he'll use whatever. He's still using donkeys to this day. But anyway, he'll use whatever to get, to get his will wrought. Amen? He loves people. I mean, he even loves the neighbor that's mean to you. He loves them. So uh, I finished, and the Lord says some things to bless that lady. I finished, went back to my thing, do, 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 preaching, throwing, doing the sock puppets and all that. Finished the class. That lady and her husband came walking up to me. And they walked up. And the husband's right there. Pastor Del Turco standing right there. I said, you know how you kind of talk after the service? She said, I'm the woman that had that happen to me as a kid. She said, we were going into Pastor Del Turco for counseling. And she said, I told God I'm not leaving the building tonight until I get set free. Yeah. To the point that she raised her hand and said, you ever going to allow the Holy Ghost to use you? 
Now, that's, that's craving it really for us personally, but we should have a thought pattern in our church that, that we are so hungry for Him that whatever He wants to do, He can do right now. That we are not satisfied unless we get everything from heaven that we're supposed to have right there. And we know every service, you can't have revival. You can't have a kind of service every service. Our services are how we can hear more about what Jesus did for us so that we can take that boldness to walk out the door and cooperate with God. So church is a filling station. I mean, the pastor has to teach so many different things so that, we, that we're kind, we're lovely. And here, God's wanting to focus on some things right before He comes because He wants more people born again. So you're going to see some fireworks through the church, if you can call it that. You're going to see the church have miracles. You're going to see the church have revelation. You're going to see the church function just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. You say, what's the last days going to be like? Yes, in the world it will be dark, but in the church you'll see the ministry of Jesus in the believer. And people will go, who do they think they are? Son of the living God. Amen. Who does that lady think she is? A daughter of the living God, functioning just like Jesus. So let's go back here in the book of Acts and see how we can get ready for what God has for us. Because this is not just some story getting ready to happen. This is us. God has raised you up and got you in position to function in this. So go back to Acts 9, if you would, and we'll run through some of these. So glad you came tonight. Go to Acts 9, and we'll, let's pick up here with, watch how the Lord began to help the church get birthed. Here in Acts chapter 9, Jesus appears to Ananias, tells him to go lay hands on Paul. How wild is that? And then in Acts 10, an angel appears to Cornelius and tells him, tells him to go where he can hear some words to be saved. So you see a thread of supernaturalness assisting people getting born again. So go here to Acts chapter 9. Let's pick up with some of these things. Acts chapter 9, look at verse number 11. We'll look at verse 10. Acts, it's page 160 if you've got a Bible like mine. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. And there was a disciple, a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. To him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. So you see the gift of discerning of spirits operating right here. Discern means to see. That's an operation of the Holy Ghost. Notice it didn't freak Ananias out. He didn't go, Holy cow, what's up with this? He didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't call uh, TBN and go, I've seen the Lord. No, he has such a relationship with the Lord that he, he argues with the Lord. Watch what happens here. The Lord said to him in a vision, he says, Behold, I'm here, Lord. He said, the Lord said unto him, verse 11, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he's done to the saints that are at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. How cool is this? The Lord's helping the early church to the point, as extreme as this is, Jesus personally appears to Ananias and goes, I need you to go lay hands on Paul. And, and you know what? And Ananias goes, I ain't going down there. That guy's killing Christians. Are you crazy? And then the Lord has to kind of help him because guess what Paul's going to do? He's going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. So you'll see some divine assistance in getting the Bible out. Divine assistance in getting people born again. Now what was this? This is revelation gifts in operation. Some of these rivers from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We categorize them so that they seem like they're so afar off that only Kenneth Hagin operating in them. But here in the early church, Damascus it was, it was a town and Ananias was a disciple. Hadn't been to Ramah, hadn't been to Christ for the Nations, hadn't been to uh, the Southwest Assembly of God. He's a disciple. And God had to get his will wrought in the earth so mad, he appears to him and says, I need you to go to the hands on Paul. And he's like, uh-uh. Are you crazy? This guy's bad. So the Lord delivers to him a word of knowledge, tells him where to go, 
what Paul's going to be doing. Then watch what he does in the next verse, verse 15. He says, Go your way. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, and I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now what the Lord does, he delivers a word of knowledge, and then in verse 15, he delivers a word of wisdom. Now what is the word of wisdom? A word of wisdom is the future plan and purpose of God revealed. So here Ananias is like, I ain't going to go lay hands on Paul. And Jesus is so kind that he tells him what Paul's called to do, so he will be bold to go down there and do that. My friend, you're living in a day where there'll be such a flow of revelation that God's going to show you things before they happen so you'll be bold to go down and operate. Notice how nice the Lord is. Even though Ananias argued with him, he assisted him. God will help us in what we're all called to do. He's never called you to go, well, you just be a great believer and do the best you can. No, there is some help from heaven. If you'll notice, everything I've ever preached here when I've come about the name of Jesus, about authority, about boldness, listen very carefully, are all things you have to do. These are some things I want to get into that God will do if we'll cooperate with Him. You'll notice you've got to have both. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. We've been focusing on the power side for so long to get us in that place to where we're bold. And my friend, when you're in that place, you're in a position where all of a sudden there'll be revelation, there'll be activities of the Holy Ghost, manifestations of the Spirit of God, and all of a sudden we start having things like the book of Acts. We do have that now, but we want greater. Don't we? We haven't come to this just to go, man, it's good to be in church. We want greater. Hallelujah. I remember years ago I I was traveling. I was preaching down in California. Forgive me. Praise the Lord. And uh, I was in the middle part of California. And my daughter, Lauren, went with me. I guess she was about 16 or 17. And I remember coming into the back door of the church. I had a vision. It's okay for me to have vision. I'm a young man living in an outpouring. Remember Acts 2 said young men would see visions, old men would dream dream dreams. We know Pastor Mark's been having visions and dreams for years, praise the Lord. <laughs> so he has switched over. But I, praise the Lord. But I remember walking in the back of that church with my daughter. I was walking in, and I, I had a vision as I walked in. I saw a man in the church, and uh, he looked kind of like Robert Redford, if we can tell you kind of what a guy looked like. And I saw him have his hands upside down around the pastor's throat. And I couldn't figure out what that was. Why would he have his hands upside down around the pastor's throat? I'm thinking, what in the world is this? It's, I mean, that's the word of knowledge. It's revelation. And I walked up to the pastor. I said, hey, there's a man in your church. He's trying to keep you from doing things you're called to do. And that pastor looked at me. He said, hmm. I said, well, I'll tell you what it looks like. And uh, when we went out to preach. I pointed him out to my daughter. said, there's that man right there. Come to find out that man was supposed to start another church. This pastor is supposed to start another church about an hour away. And this man had got up from the platform and said, I will not let you start that church. You are called to right here. You're not called to have an outreach like that. Well, I got up that day and said, this pastor is called to not only have an outreach, he has an apostles kind of ministry to build and to plant. And so the reason why the hands were upside down like that, it was like that man thought he had more authority than the pastor and thought he was over the pastor. Well, see, God can do by revelation a whole lot quicker than things that I can figure out on my own. I could have come in and tried to preach whatever and tried to jump through hoops and hear the Holy Ghost in one second can show you something to fix something in that church. Man, the presence of God was so strong that night to where God wanted to manifest the future plan and purpose of God for that church. So with the word of knowledge mixed in with the word of wisdom, the will of God's made known to that whole body of believers what the church is called to do. It's amazing how the devil tries to put the brakes on everything that we're called to do. He'll ne- the devil will never tell you, you need to branch out, need to do more. He'll go, no, you can't do it. You've, you've been through this. You, he'll try to bring up all things you've been through. Oh, come on, I might do Elvis on that one. Come on now. 
The, the devil will always try to show you things that will try to keep you from, from having an outreach mentality. All those things he tries to tell you, the hell you went through, are to make you inward and draw you in. It's called a victim mentality. Well, it's been so hard. It's been so bad. Hello? That's the whole society right now where the Holy Ghost will give you revelation to make known what you're called to do so that you think bigger than you have been thinking, do more than you have been doing, and you think, you know what? Bless God, Jesus is coming soon. Let's rock. Let's do this. He'll help you. I remember another church. Hang with me. Man, I can't believe we'll get into all this. I remember another church I was going into, and I was traveling with these guys. I was the shoeshine guy. Enjoyed being the shoeshine guy. I just assumed to be the shoeshine guy. I loved it. I was doing the book table, the crusade director, and all that kind of stuff. And I was traveling with these guys. They were speaking morning and night in this camp meeting. And come Friday night, the guy I was working for was going to have to leave. And at the beginning of the week, I had a vision. Here comes a word of knowledge. I had a vision. I saw this woman in a car wreck. I saw her face hit the front windshield, and her head went back like that. The windshield kind of shattered. But I knew that she hurt her neck and her back. Next thing I saw, a man working out in a pulpwood field and down in Alabama. There's trees, pulpwood trees, the pine trees like that. And they were cutting these trees down. And this cable swung around like this on this tree and hit this man. And he fell down and rolled over like that. Hit him right in the back of the head. Well, in that vision, I thought I had this vision and this word of knowledge. I thought, well, these guys will call that out during this week because I'm just running the book table. I'm not going to be doing anything. You know how the God will start showing you things, but you better get ready. He's gonna, he wants you to do it rather than somebody else. But he wants us sensitive enough to the Holy Ghost to where he starts showing us things even before, even while someone else is doing it. Well, there's a whole other message in that, but hang with me. All right, so I got there. Glad to be there. Didn't want to preach. Didn't, absolutely did not want to preach. So the guy goes, hey, I got to leave. I got to go back and check on something you're going to preach. I said, I am not preaching. They all came to hear you, not me. I am not preaching. I argued with my buddy I was working for. I am not going to preach. You're going to preach. I'm not going to preach. You're going to preach. I am not going to preach. You're going to preach. So anyway, I got to preach. And... Uh, <laughs> And it was horrible, supernaturally horrible. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I preached on Luke 5, nevertheless, let down your net, you know, nevertheless, let thy word. I had a lady come to me afterwards and say, don't try to do this for a living. I said, I said pick a number. Said, You're like the fifth lady to tell me that. Hallelujah. So, so it's amazing how God's not looking for your perfection. So I finished preaching, and I don't know how all this works, but I remember having that vision. So I looked at the other guy I had worked for for years, and I said, hey, man, you got anything? He goes, no, don't. You're on, you're on your own. But I wasn't on my own. I'd already had a vision earlier in the week. God already showed me something. Word of knowledge. I said, in fact, there's a lady here using a car wreck. God wants to heal your neck. I said, I saw your face go right into the front windshield. This lady got up and come walking down. Uh, Lord healed her neck, healed her back right there. All right, in that room, I said, there's a man here. You work out in the pulpwood field. This cable broke. This tree swung around. Hit you, knocked you over. I saw you rolling on the ground. This guy jumped up, took off running down. He goes, that's me. He goes, I go through all this stuff. They're trying to fix my neck because that tree hit me. I said, did the cable break like that? He said, that's right. See, God knows everything. Boom, the man gets healed. I pointed to the, to the sound man. I said, hey, Doc, you got damage in the lenses in your eyes. And he, he started crying. He goes, my mom told me I was going to get my eyes healed today. So see, you, he, he will help us. It's not about, okay, how do I, in real estate, if you're in real estate, he'll show you things before they happen. He'll give you words of knowledge. He'll give you words of wisdom. There'll be supernatural revelation. My friend, if you're a school teacher, he'll show you things about your students where all of a sudden, by revelation, you know things about them. God's never called you to do this ordinary. Never called you to do this 
ordinary. I remember in your church in Terre Haute, I came in there in 19, I don't know what year, it was 87. I came in there and preached in the, uh, the, uh, the Y in Terre Haute, Indiana. And I had a world knowledge. I'm walking back toward the restroom. And the Lord says, somebody has damage in the lenses in their eyes. Just like that same word of knowledge. A little girl came down, had big Coke bottle glasses, instantly got healed. He brought her friends back the next night, seen her, didn't have to have her Coke bottle glasses. I went up to Tulsa, probably 10 years later, she's going to Rama. She come walking up to me. I didn't even recognize her. She says, remember, I got my, I got my glasses taken away because of a word of knowledge come on now god wants to help us get harvest done before jesus comes what's going to happen though right here before he comes is you're going to see a mixture or you could call it a marrying of authority a marrying of all the boldness you've heard along with the rivers of the holy ghost so you truly have jesus's ministry in the believer and God has set you up for that. So let's go look at one more. Go over to Acts 11. Let's look at a couple real quick before we close. I've preached too long. Hang with me just a second. Look at Acts 11 real quick. Look at Acts 11. Look at Acts 11, verse 27. So glad you came tonight. Yeah. Acts 11, verse 27. And there, in these days came down prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. Acts 11, verse 27. And there stood up one of the name Agabus, and he signified by the Spirit there'd be a great drought throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Look at this, verse 29. They didn't freak out. They didn't go, nah, 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 you're crazy. Watch, verse 29. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren, which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now what was that? That was a word of wisdom. That was a warning. So here you see the Holy Ghost even warning them about droughts that are to come. And you can look at another one. Go over to Acts 20-something. You pick out the chapter. We'll see if you're flowing. <laughs> I think it's Acts 23, 21, 22. Look at Acts 21 real quick. Look at another one. So you see this thread through the early church. We should see this thread in the latter church. I'll show you this in a second. Look at Acts 21 real quick. Acts 21, look at verse 10. As we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Agabus is getting around here. And when he was come to us, he took Paul's girdle, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle, and will deliver him under the hands of the Gentiles. And we heard these things, both we and that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Paul answered and said, What mean you to weaken and break my heart? I'm not ready to be bound only, but also die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 14. Hang with me just a second. Verse 14. And when we, he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, The will of the Lord be done. Now what was that? That was God through a word of wisdom showing Paul what was going to happen when he got to Jerusalem. It wasn't God's will for Paul to go through hell. God's just so nice. He's showing Paul what's going to happen before it happens. He said, by the way, he even had a prophet come in and tie himself up so that Paul would know exactly what it's going to look like when he got there. So that when Paul got there, he wouldn't go, man, I really missed it. No, he's right in the middle of the will of God. And Paul said, man, I'm ready to go. So what happens? Remember when Paul went into Jerusalem, they, they bound him hand and foot. Then the guy hit him. He said, you smite me not according to the law. God will smite you. He was bold because he knew he was right in the middle of the will of God because God had shown him what it was going to look like before he got there. That's a word of wisdom. Future plan and purpose of God revealed. Now why am I preaching on this? Hang with me. God's going to show us some things and we're going to see it come to pass in our hearts before it even comes to pass. It's pretty easy to act it out. Am I in the right room? Come on now. I'll give you a warning. I remember I was preaching out in Yuma, Arizona. Actually, I was working for this guy. Hang with me. I'm getting closer to why I'm preaching on this and we're going to close here in just a couple minutes. 
you guys are so easy to preach to, I promise I'll stop. Remember, John Osteen said, he preaches short, so we heard again, because I want you to come back. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, that went over real good. <laughs> Supernatural quietness. Everybody's scared. I promise I won't go to 9. I'll just go to 10 tonight. Pizza will be here at 8, and we'll break. And... No, I'm just stopping. I remember traveling with this guy. I was in Yuma, Arizona, and uh, I was doing the book table. And, and I, after the service, we'd gone out. You know, you go out to the book table, and I'm out of the book table. All of a sudden, I have a vision. Remember, it's okay for me to have a vision. I'm a young man living in an outpouring. Can't help it. I had this vision. I saw the pastor in, a, in an airplane. It was called a push-pull. You got one engine this way, one engine that way. And I saw the plane in a dive like that. Papers were flying up everywhere. I saw the pilot. He was bald-headed. had a little bit of blonde hair on the sides like that. He was pulling on the yoke of that plane. Papers were flying everywhere. They were panicking. That plane was in a dive. Well, I'm sitting back there at the book table going, man, I'm watching the pastor of this church and this airplane is in a dive. What's up with that? We got ready to go to Denny's to get a Grand Slam. I'm thinking about the pancakes, thinking about the sausages, thinking about the bacon. So I'm getting there going, man, I just saw this pastor on this plane. You know, what do I do to tell him? Because the Lord doesn't want to scare him. The Lord wants to bless him. So even when Paul was being shown what was going to happen, Paul didn't get scared. He said, man, I'm ready to go to Jerusalem. Let's rock it. Let's do it. Well, so I'm sitting there eating my dinner at the, at the Denny's, and I'm working with this guy, and I'm thinking, Lord, what do I do? Because it's not my mode mo to sit at Denny's and go, that's hey, the Lord. You're going to be in a push-pull airplane. It ain't going to be good. So, I mean, the Lord doesn't want to do it. You know, you don't want to do it like that. So I'm trying to figure out when can I say this because I'm and we're eating our pancakes, you know, and the pastor goes, hey, I'm going flying tomorrow. I'm thinking, holy cow. So what do I do? What do I do? He goes, I'm going flying tomorrow. And I said, I'm going in what's called a push-pull airplane. And I'm thinking, holy cow. He goes, yeah, I'm going. He's all excited about this. And I'm just kind of sitting there eating my pancakes and my sausages. <laughs> I was, you know, so I don't want to freak him out, but I said, hey, pastor, you know, I was back at the book table before we came over here, and I said, I had a vision of you flying that push-pull. I said, I can tell you what your pilot looks like. He's blonde-headed, got a little bit of hair right there on the sides, and he's totally bald. He looks at me like that, and I said, look, I saw you guys in a dive. I saw papers flying everywhere. And the pastor looks at me like, oh, my Lord. But you don't know me. You know, I'm working with the guy that's preaching there. But, I, you know, i got to do what i got to do. So I would have been wrong not to say something. So I said, don't be afraid. I said, I just check everything out, make sure everything's copacetic and good, you know. Because the Lord will show you some things that are going to come to pass. There's never any fear in it at all. I've heard people say, well, you, you better be careful when you get on an airplane. I ain't careful when I get on any airplane because it ain't going to go down when I get on it. I've never once prayed when I got on an airplane. Never. I see people get on planes talking about the It ain't going to go down because I'm on it. Amen. Now, you, that's why we've heard the word for 30 or 40 years. It's called authority. It's called boldness. Well, I see the Lord will show you what's going to come to pass. No fear. So I didn't know how to handle that. Finished up and uh, flew back from Yuma to Tulsa. The pastor called me and said, you know, I went in and checked out that guy. He had used fraud to say that he's flown in a push-pull airplane and you have to have so many hours and be checked out in that airplane. And she said, that, that pastor's life get saved? I don't know, but he didn't go for that flight with him. See, that's a warning. God can show you what's going to happen before it happens. But the reason why I'm preaching on this is there's going to be a heightened awareness of revelation to get us to function in these rivers so that we're functioning just like Jesus. Remember when he chose his disciples? Hang with me. Hang with me. Remember, he said, Ananias, he came walking over. Not Ananias, he said, Nathaniel came walking over there. He said, indeed, he's an Israelite and whom's no guile. He knew what nation he's from. He knew the situation of his heart. And they went, oh, how'd you know that? He said, well, before you came over here, he said, I saw you under the tree. I don't know how seeing somebody under the tree would tell him everything. He said, I saw you under the tree. He goes, oh, he freaked out. And Jesus didn't go, that was a word of knowledge. That was a vision. No, he didn't do that. Because that's kind of how it's been presented, you know. Jesus said, that's no big deal. Hereafter, you'll see the heavens open 
angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He said there's a whole other realm going on here, Doc. It's a realm that we don't see, but God's going to make us aware of that realm to function in that glory. I remember this camp meeting. I was going out and closing right now. I promise to stop. This is why I'm preaching on this. Man, it took me a long time to get to why I'm preaching on this. Help me, Jesus. Stopping right now. Wow. I go to this, I'm getting ready to go to this camp meeting. And um, this is in Charleston, Illinois, not far from Terre Haute. And uh, this buddy of mine is making me go do this meeting. And I'm with these other preachers that have forgotten more about God than I'll ever. You know what I'm saying? They've been in the ministry for years. And so I'm nervous about this camp meeting. Nervous. Oh, Lord. I was working a job in Tulsa. wasn't full-time in the ministry. And i got to go preach for these guys. I mean, it was Patsy, Cam- Patsy Beerman at the time. It wasn't Caminetti. And it was the Mark Brzee. And it was Ross Roberts. So I'm thinking, man, I don't know what to preach. So the Lord said, I want you to preach on the glory of God. I said, well, that's good, but I don't really know enough about the glory of God. He said, get Brother Hagin's mini book. So at lunch on my job, I'd get Brother Hagin's mini book. Man, I studied. I studied that mini book. Got that mini book, the glory of God. Now I'm going through the whole thing. Okay, so I'm getting nervous about the camp meeting. About a month before the camp meeting, now here comes the word of wisdom. Here comes revelation. I'm in my apartment, also getting ready to go to bed. All of a sudden, as I'm laying in bed, I start crying. I thought, man, why am I crying? I just started sensing the goodness of God, how good he is, because he loves you. Look up the foot of my bed, there's Jesus standing right there. White robe, blue sash. I'm freaking out. Jesus, head to her, standing right there at the foot of my bed. I'm like, ah. you know how we think we'll do something cool? We see Jesus. You know, I wish I'd have gone, would you like a Diet Coke? They're really good. <laughs> They'll bless you. I'm addicted. <laughs> but, you know, you don't think about that stuff. So I'm just thinking, man, there's Jesus right there. What's up with this? And I'm thinking, he goes, this is what he said to me. I'm like, he goes, be faithful, fulfill your ministry. I'm thinking, I'm studying the mini book. I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I'm just kind of freaking out. All of a sudden, here comes the word of wisdom. Boom. I'm in the camp meeting a month before it happens. <laughs> and I'm standing there. I'm standing there to the side. I watch Jesus walk up to the first preacher, uh, say something to him, point his finger at him, say something to this preacher, say something to this preacher, turn around, walk right down the middle aisle and go like this. So I'm thinking, man, oh man, Jesus is going to come into the camp meeting. Are we ready for this? You know, how do you tell the pastor, oh, by the way, get the carpet clean over there because <laughs> the head of the church is going to come. Now, we think that's crazy. I've been in the meeting where he did that. I've been in the Holiday Inn in Torrance, California, where Jesus walked right through the kitchen door, walked right up to a couple ministers. They fell on their face, started crying. And I'm sitting there going, there's Jesus. I'm freaking out. So I'm thinking that's what's going to happen. So I'm freaking out. So I'm thinking, Lord, you're going to come walking in this thing. I've got to preach on the glory of God. Don't know anything about the glory of God. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of freaking out. (laughs) We get to the camp meeting. And and so Mark Brzee preaches before I preach. He says, turn to Acts chapter 7. Stephen looked up and saw the glory of God. He used every verse that I'm going to use that afternoon. You talk about freaking out. I'm going, oh, Jesus, don't go to that next verse. Don't go to that next verse. My whole message, he just preached. So I'm freaking out. The guy just used my whole message. And Jesus is going to come walking through the wall here in a little bit. And I don't know how this all works, you know. So I'm freaking out. Freaking out is not a good word for it. I'm like this. So after, after Mark preaches, you know, it's time for me to preach. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, how do you get ready for this? And in that church, you'll notice there's a side door. The ushers are always coming through that side door. So the reflection in my glasses, an usher would come walking in. I think it's Jesus. And while I'm preaching, I keep turning my head like this. So people are like, so I get up and I begin to preach. I said, you know, I know you just heard this message this morning. But I don't have, you know, 25 messages on the glory of God. So buckle up. Here we go. And so I preached on the same verses he did. And I kept looking over there, looking over there, because I'd see the usher walking and go, well, there's Jesus there jumping on. You know, I don't know when this is going to happen. So I finished preaching, you know, and I kind of stood there, hey, let's worship the Lord, let's get ready. And I'm thinking, okay, everybody, <laughs> look right there. This is going to be good, is what I'm thinking. How cool is this? 
you know, well, Jesus doesn't come in. I'm waiting. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's worship a little bit. No, Jesus don't show up. I wait a little bit more. Jesus don't show up. I'm like, okay, what's up with this? The Lord goes, I'm not going to come in there and do that. He says, you have to do what you saw me do. I think, hello, McFly. You know, I'm like, what's up with this? I wish I would have thought of this earlier. I could have had a little bit more peace during this whole camp meeting. <laughs> now watch, look how easy this is. I'd already seen Jesus do this. I walked over to this guy, said something to him, said exactly what Jesus did. Walked over to this guy, said, walked over to Patsy, said what the Lord said, walked right down the middle of the church, lifted up my hand just like Jesus because I'd seen him do it. It's idiot proof. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Now, see, that's revelation. That's a word of wisdom. God's going to show you things. You're going to see yourself all of a sudden. It's going to be like a flash. You'll see yourself at the gas station. You see yourself pumping gas. All of a sudden, you walk up to the guy, and you know that he had damage in his shoulder, and you see yourself walking up to him and go, hey, do you mind if I pray for your shoulder? He goes, how do you know my shoulder's hurt? I saw you in this car wreck two weeks ago. Your name is Alan, and the Lord loves you. Now, you, all of a sudden, you go to that gas station. This guy comes walking up, and he's going like, man, I can't get this thing done. You go, I've already seen that guy. I'm supposed to pray for him. You walk over there and say, hey, is your name Alan? Because you can test the waters out. It'll prove out. Is your name Alan? Yes. Was you in a car wreck two weeks ago? Yes. Hey, would you mind if I pray for you? He goes, how do you know that? Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And you pray for him, he's healed. And you can act it out once you've already seen it. So let's get ready as a church. We've heard all these messages because God's going to have us ACT, ACT. It's called the book of Acts. You have a script that's there. And our part is not the weakling in the movie. It's Jesus. Amen. 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 That's your part. And the Holy Ghost is saying action. Every service. So let's get ready for before the coming of the Lord. That if we're going to have a Holy Ghost word wild church, let's do it like Jesus would do it. It doesn't have to be goofy or strange. It can be supernatural. Amen. 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 Sure glad you came tonight. Let's thank him for a minute before we go. I've kept you way too long. Lord, we love you. We thank you for, for this season that we get to see rivers of living water. We get to see the spirit of the living God, Father, do his bidding in the church. May we yield to you, Father. Do your will, all of us in this room. We thank you for your goodness and your grace, Lord. For everyone that's represented tonight, Lord, use them. Use them, Father. Use them in such a grand way that Jesus would be glorified. He'd be exalted. He'd be magnified. We love you, Father. We love you. Bless you. Magnify you. Bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah.